Hello, my petals, and welcome back to another episode of The Rose Garden. I am your host, Tabula Rosa, a.k.a. La Rosa Negra, or Black Rose if you're nasty. And today's episode is about black fatherhood, and especially in my case, dysfunctional fatherhood. It's called Spore to the Wind. Today, I'm joined by two guests. One, a four-legged friend who's really ambitious and quite vocal at times, so you'll have to bear with me if you happen to hear him. He is my friend's dog that I'm sitting for the moment. And I have with me Mama Rose, my dear mother, to help add a different portion of this conversation. Would you like to say anything? Introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. That's my mom. Teehee. Okay, so let's actually get into the conversation. For a start, I want to start this conversation with we appreciate all black fathers out there for being present in lives because as much as, again, we may have these dysfunctional relationships and health or healthy relationships for those who have them, we do appreciate you doing what you can. And I'm going to take the squeaky toy because that is a lot. <laughs> we appreciate you doing what you can. And we all like strive for better and bettering as parents. But, well, I say we as though I have children. But you know what I mean. Um, there's always that move to be a better parent with each move and motive that you make. And I'm just taking a minute to acknowledge that. Thank you for existing I would like to start with asking Mama Rose uh, just for this record and for the sake of conversation how would you describe your relationship with your father oh my relationship with my father growing up was absent Um, I spoke with him sparingly I was able to spend some time with him when I turned 16 and then after that not again until my adult life so I grew to know my father after I was grown okay um for me I'm sure you already know this. I, I mean, my father was actively in my life my entire life, except as of late. But <clears throat> to say he was present would be a misnomer on my end. It was a little bit like he was there, but more as for my gamers out there who understand this reference, he was more of an NPC in this RPG game, just sort of there with the house decorations hey stop it (laughs) he was sort of along for the story but not necessarily I wouldn't say he wasn't pivotal because clearly it had an effect on me but it wasn't so much so that he was very hands on and that mm, how do I phrase this properly it's always hard to find the right words to figure out how to describe this relationship A little help considering you had an eyewitness account to all of this. 
how would you go about describing my relationship with my father? Um, different? It's kind of where I'm at, too. Well, because there, there was an expectation from a certain standard of what he felt like he should do and be and you didn't do those things because you weren't that child. Right. He was very he outdoorsy. You, he wanted you to be that, that typical sports kid or the, the one that go outside to play and you were the grab my book go sit down enjoy what I'm reading um, research things check things out uh, get more information about stuff um, can we go to the library can I get some more books on this can I find a little bit more about that and where he enjoy your intelligence and my gifts yeah, and, 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 and your your um, your your all of the, the interest in, in gaining more knowledge and, and that just that hunger for um, more knowledge it, it irritated him at the same time because um, the the interactive play and all of that that he looked for wasn't an interest to you. It was also interesting navigating his level of maturity too. I will say that because there were certain aspects growing up of my childhood where I. And in reflection, I say this, I needed a father and instead I had more of someone who was trying to be a child again. And so it would be that weird dynamic of we're interacting as though we're peers, but then something happens or it gets to a point of escalation and it's like, but we're not peers. And that got very confusing, and at a certain point, it became tiresome because it's like, well, if we're not peers, why do we keep acting as so? And I don't like the getting in trouble for engaging in this semi-toxic relationship that we keep perpetuating. Um, I will say one of the best things I have inherited from my father is, and this is not to say that you didn't cultivate this as well, but it's something that he was very adamant about, pro-blackness. Um, to his core, this man was all things Negro. And I think if I don't value anything else to the day I leave this planet, I will definitely sing his praises of that because Oh, I remember like the back of my hand, the day he got me that black history book and it was so tacky. I hated it so much, but also <laughs> it was so informative. So I had to my like, I hate this book, but like also shout out to you. Cause I found out about a bunch of in invention and stuff pertaining to like refrigerator and freezers and 
stoplights and I'm not going to go down the full list of inventions. I definitely encourage people to go and research all the different ways that our black brilliance was bamboozled over the years. But are there any qualities that you can think of in my grandfather that you valued? I know what that means. They don't. He, well, you know what? Um, Your grandfather was was one of those, uh, he's that that man that is, he's like a lot of men in in some aspects where, He, well, he cooks, he cleans, he washes, he irons, he sews. Um, well, no, then that's not a lot of men, but there are some <laughs> who, who, who does the, the cooking and the cleaning and the washing and ironing, but uh, sewing and different things like that. But then my dad is also... Um, in the in the generation that he came up in, um, working sun up to sundown, um, hands on with everything, uh, continued to work because uh, even at at this point in time in his life, he's eighty one years old and he still gets up at the crack of dawn, if not before. And he's working, doing something. Fixing a car, cutting the grass, um, something. He can't right. sit still. He's, he's doing something. There's there's always an odd job to be done with this man. So he's always working. If he's not working, um, there's something going on, which definitely means that he's possibly sick if he's not working because that's him. He's a workaholic. So if he's not working, then there's another problem but um would you say maybe the work ethic was something you value from him well yeah his his work ethic because he he definitely believes in work um and I think I I think I I um inherited that from him because as you've seen through your years of life growing up my mother has had 12 different jobs it was how I got such a brilliant relationship with my grandmother while she was on this planet because I spent time with my grandmother because my mother was working because mom was always working also while we're on the topic of fatherhood and it's a very personal subject can we take a minute to just speak to the truth of the fact of like, and I don't know how this makes you feel, but it's a little awkward for me recalling that portion of my life because it definitely, I feel like it put a dampen on our uh, damper, excuse me, on our relationship as father and child. I didn't actually know that this man was my father for a few years. 
I always thought of him as that man. And so there was this weird correlation growing up where it was my mom and then my mom spends a lot of time with that man. And then eventually it was like, oh, this man is my father. And I stumbled into that situation because he got mad actually because, or actually no, excuse me. Something happened at school and he went to chastise me and I called him out and I'm like, you're not even my dad. Because I was under the impression that I was being raised by a single parent. At that time, I didn't know what a single parent was. But um, again, it just for me, it was always just you in my mind because of that. Both household split because we had that whole 91st thing. And just, again, not really having him, much of him around in my early years, as far as I remember. As far, except for like visitation or small moments. Well, he was, he was there. Um, he just wasn't, like, actively there in a way that would have made you know a lot because um, he had actually been there, actually from your infancy, doing different things. Um, even in um, father years or what have you, he was there. But in terms of making like that impact where memories would make a difference, you probably would remember a lot of things. Um, there were different gifts that you got that sure if I told you about them you'd remember um, that came from him like um, there was a race car set that had uh, the snap track yeah the one that had um, yeah the, the race car set that had all of the, the different signs and different things that you had to put on the track and see, it's weird. I remember playing with this toy, but again, I don't remember him in this equation. All of my memories of that toy are me alone in my room on that right. huge and, play and rug. I'm saying there were different toys that came in. They were from him, but him and you and the interactive play with that, no, it was not there. But he would <clears> buy these toys. He would send them to make sure that Right, but I wasn't even aware that they came from him. That's the whole thing. I'm just thinking because right. I had a huge well, toy chest growing I up. I didn't bring that to your attention. It wasn't for me. It wasn't relevant to bring that point to your attention because why bring it to your attention that these toys were from him when you weren't going to see him? That meant I needed to do more explaining. So rather than even have this confusion I just chose not to even bring that point so I just didn't raise the issue I left it and just that you enjoyed the toys in themselves how would you putting yourself not necessarily in my shoes but Flashing back to when you were in, in that stage of your life, how would you 
recall your relationship with your father at a younger age? I'm sorry, Peter. How would you recall your relationship with um, my grandpa at your younger age? Um, my relationship with him was actually estranged because uh, I was here in California and he was in Mississippi. There were no interactions and um, I did not call. He didn't call me. Um, The only thing that I did know was that he was in Mississippi and whatever information I got, I got from um, my aunt, which is my mom's sister, not anyone from his side of the family. Um, Time out. Can we talk about the fact that we didn't even really get a relationship, or not even we, because I wouldn't say I have a relationship, but I didn't even find out about the other side of his family until after you had gone down there to visit. Um, Again, um, my grandmother's sister, I referred to her as my auntie mama. Right. It was sort of my name for her growing up. Right. And and she was the only way that I got any information concerning my dad. And um, that was still far and few and tidbits so I still didn't really get much information so um, it wasn't until I was 16 that I saw my dad for the first time in what 12 years from the time that we left and we had gone back home to Mississippi to see the family and actually the trip was not to see him, the trip was to see my grandparents, which was my mom's parents. And that was actually due to the fact that her dad was sick. So we were taking the trip down there to visit her parents for that reason. And it just so happened that since we were down here, okay, we spent time with my dad. So um, we got an opportunity to spend time with my dad, which that basically turned out to be um, us spending time with my dad during the time that we were were there. Um, He took us shopping to buy whatever we wanted, and he did just that, bought whatever we wanted. And um, after we spent that time, then we were brought back to my mom and that was basically that um we were still made to feel less than to a certain degree because um as much as we got what we wanted uh it it was summer clothes it was nothing that was going to be used once we got back home so um we were kind of treated like it was an irresponsible choice because we were there with him and instead of him taking the parental role and getting us clothes that we could take home to have for school or something um, that you needed he allowed, he allowed us to choose what we wanted so we got 
short sets and different things that we couldn't do anything with except for over the summertime. So um, that was basically the way that we ended up um, dealing with the situation. But it, it, it made it, it, basically it just, I think it irritated my mom more than anything because um, when we came back with the clothes, it was like, and what are you going to do with this? That, you know, that was the, the attitude about it. What are you going to do with this? Because you can't go anywhere with these clothes on except uh, it's some, this is summer wear. You know, school's going to be starting back soon. And he went and spent whatever he did and you still don't have anything to wear to school. I mean, it, it just became a big mess, almost like uh, we intentionally wasted time, wasted time, wasted money, um, just a whole lot of stuff. So it was like, okay, uh, maybe that was the wrong choice. Um, so it, basically, um, we were fussed at for the choice of clothes and shoes and everything else that we got while we were with him. Uh, we were fussed at for the time that we spent with him. We were fussed at because when she came in the house, um, the fact that we had uh, represented what she had been teaching us the entire time that we had been away from him. So it looked like we basically were showing that she had not raised us to be um, sensible decent and uh, honorable, sensible, clean, and anything else. So there was a lot that took place in that, and he said nothing. If we got up and didn't make up the bed, he didn't say anything. If we didn't wash a dish, he didn't say anything. If we didn't pick up a broom, a mop, a vacuum, he didn't say anything. And for her, it was like, you guys are representing me, and you're showing him that I haven't taught you anything. And it just, it was ridiculous. So I'm curious to know... <clears throat> do you feel like all of these like well it first sounds like that whole ordeal became a matter of granny's pride well I think it was more of the need to say we're away from you've been away from him all of this time Basically, what you're showing him is that I haven't done anything with you. Okay, but and, and so now I'm I'm the, the laughing stock, and I'm like, you know, my thing is how you know you're a child, so how do we show what you're doing by what? we're doing I mean we're spending time with him and it's basically the whole thing of you know better that makes sense do you feel like that entire relationship and the dynamic between granny and papa um 
sort of shaped how you parented and co-parented with my father? switch it up a little bit I didn't even think to ask you earlier Kyle thinking of a moment or something that I gained from my father what is maybe a moment of yours that or not even a moment necessarily but something that just comes to mind when you think of a positive either family interaction from my father or something that you feel was something that he did very well with us growing up moments came through play. So there was a lot of teachable moments that he had that were brought in with you guys through his need to play. And there was a lot of learning that you guys actually gained from him. As much as I think sometimes you guys were irritated with the play, there was a lot of learning that took place in his plane because I recall him 
um, spelling while he played. Um, if you remember, um, with your siblings, he would sit with them and, um, I remember as a baby growing up, one of my favorite moments with Tank, uh, that's my little brother. Um, One of my favorite moments watching Tank while he was coming of age, because I want to say he had to have been maybe two or three at the time, and he was always bouncing him around on his legs, and he would be spelling or playing around with random things. and Right, and that's what I mean. He was always doing things like that, and... um how he would, um, from their chest down to their tummy, he would always tell them, you just want to P-L-A-Y. And they were trying their hardest to always spell P-L-A-Y and point in their own chest. Well, they And then it got to a point where they got smart enough to point to his chest. And yeah. they may not have had the letters together, but they had the sequence of how the phonetic sounds work and exactly exactly and and that's something that i actually can attribute to him where he was strong in uh the education and the learning through play and he was big with making sure that um because the the play was in the child if I can't get anything else going, uh, I'll at least educate while we play. And so he played a lot, which was something that he enjoyed doing. And so he took those play moments and he would educate. And he did that a lot with them. And so with, with all of you, as much as it was um, moments of engagement and opportunities provided he took that moment and I, I, I give him that because that's something that he'll do every time all the time and it's always going to be him where he's going to play and that's with any child not just his own but every child that he gets an opportunity to play with he's going to play and his impact is always going to be some form of educational moment so that that child knows that when you see this man again, you're going to remember that you had fun and yeah, you had fun, but there was a learning something because he's going to help you remember who he is through whatever that educational thing was that he did with you. That's true. Um, I could, I feel like this is a, a double-edged sword, but it's something that I'm going to positively attribute to him. Um, and it wasn't necessarily that he spent the money, but it was more, again, the dedication to at least trying to spend that money on something that, um, or not necessarily money, but just like the stuff that he was bringing, it was at least a part of trying to extend an olive branch almost. Um, he was very much, again, on the same guise of fun, he cultivated my love of video games and tech, and there was a lot of interaction that came there, and he would always either buy new games or buy consoles and stuff, and while we may not have been more communicative, 
Um, there didn't need to be many words when it came with picking up a controller. And he and I could sit there and while we may not have had the best of relationships, again, it was just being able to take a moment to escape everything that may have been strange or wrong with us and just take a pure moment where we can laugh or like when he would come in late at night after hanging out with his friends or whatever or whatever he was doing if it was work or whatever reason he had been out uh he would come home and he'd have some sort of food and he'd wake me up out of my sleep and it was terrible believe me it was terrible i know and in hindsight, I'm looking at myself in the mirror every day wishing. I'm like, maybe I should have rolled back to sleep. But, you know, it was something about those interactions. Because while we were eating, he was making his jokes and I was laughing. And as much as I probably shouldn't have been up at that hour, it wasn't the best move, quote unquote, parentally. But it did something positive for our interaction. Right. And, and trust me, it would get on my last nerves that he was waking you up like that and I would tell him to leave you alone and he would be like, leave us alone, okay? <laughs> He's going back to sleep. But just, I, I, I want Cam B so we can, share, we can share this moment, okay? Leave us alone. He was like, I'm going to get Cam B. He gonna help, get Cam B gonna help me eat, okay? Oh, it was so, he would always come in with the most random things. He'd have like a burrito or uh, Chili cheese fries. That was his signature. The chili cheese fries. Burrito from somewhere, or the chili cheese fries with pastrami and pickles. And Cam D needed to help Cam eat. That's very, very much truthful. But mentioning that, or referring to the double-edged sword, I was speaking of earlier. And correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you're probably gonna agree with me here. Do you feel like that financial, like the throwing, not necessarily throwing money, but putting money towards a relationship instead of like actual intimate moments where maybe conversation or communication or even just, uh, I feel like it's harsh to say, but I can't find better words for it at the moment. Even parenting, just do you feel like that? was sort of detrimental to you growing up? Well, I honestly feel like um, where my dad is concerned, um, he parented the way he was parented. And it, the, his need to just buy things as opposed to getting involved and parenting was not something that he was actively shown uh, the need to throw his arms around the children and have those loving moments was not something that he was uh, privileged. So it was difficult for him to actually give those moments because he didn't understand those moments. And that's not to give a pass or validate anything that he did, excuse it or anything else uh, because you can turn around moments that you didn't like to give what you would like and that's some things that I know that 
I wanted in my life for my children. So the need to have a two-parent home was something that I strive for. And I definitely pushed to have a two-parent home for as long as I could hold that together. And basically just reflecting on the fact that, like I said, at 16, um, after 12 years of not having an interaction with my dad and not having that two-parent home and knowing that my dad was there, but physically he wasn't there, but financially is what I had to deal with. So my dad, when I actually had the opportunity to have an interaction with my dad, basically what I got was, what do you want? And his way of showing his love was what he could provide for me, not what he could show me in terms of his affection. And even right now today, um, my dad has gotten better with being able to be affectionate, show love. However, I can get more out of him still today financially. If I call my dad right now and he's got any amount of money, I have just that. You can, I'm true, I've actually seen this happen. You'll phone up him and be like, Daddy, I need. And I I promise you, every time... Every time I would listen to a conversation between you two and you needed some sort of financial assistance, the first thing that came to mind was just imagining Hillary from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Right. It was very that. It wasn't necessary. Not to say that, because um, referring to Uncle Phil, um, he was a great dad and father figure around, but in that specific relationship dynamic, it was more the finances were part of the parent or the pivotal part of parenthood I will say on my end again speaking to the finances it worked when I was a kid because again we were talking like we're talking about him having bought the video games and having that be a portion of our relationship because there was always a new game to try out but at a certain point as I got older, I wanted more from him and I stopped playing video games less and less and started engaging in more conversations or I had less time for video games. So even if he did buy them, um, it didn't work out. And then at the point where we were like out the house and homeless, it wasn't being able to play video games because we were staying with other people. So like we didn't want to take up too much space at all. And It got to be where I necessarily wanted my father and instead I had a piggy bank of sorts with who, a talking piggy bank at that who didn't necessarily have the best conversations or positive interactions with these conversations because God knows this man had a lot of opinions but maybe sometimes just should have been quiet. (laughs) And And you know what, um, fast forward to now um there are a lot of things that whenever i give him the opportunity of conversation 
he wished that he could have a conversation with you so that he can discuss a lot of things that he said and mistakes that he's made and he's now more apologetic than I've ever known him to be because you know for yourself that man would he wasn't one for remorse or apology he eat bark before he uh, apologized Right, and then anytime growing up as well, I was trying to figure out how to navigate the world. He would do something, and it would go against something that he had taught me, and so I would question it, and he'd be all like, what did I say? Do as I say, not as I do. And then on top of that, it would turn into a chastising, right. which made it a point of whether it's right or wrong, I'm just not going to talk to you about it or talk to you at all, because if I bring up anything, who knows if you're going to start screaming. Exactly. And then, of course, who are you to challenge anything that I say as much as I've always encouraged you to speak up, advocate, and... Right, you definitely cultivated... Feel free to question anything that you felt uncomfortable with. Um, He, being from a different era basically was like no that that's not how that works you you don't question anything it's it's what i say and that is it you don't ever question my parenting my decision or anything else it's it's what i say and that is and so that would obviously create a, a whole other and I because my thing was no because as parents we aren't always correct and a child can actively have an opportunity to ask questions and we own the burden of answering those questions in a format that allows this child to understand what is going on because it should not just be I'm the parent do as I say and that's the end of it this is only one side to this communication because you've now turned into a bully but you're teaching your child that they shouldn't bully however all of your teachings are now wrong because as much as you tell your child you can't be a bully you're doing the one thing bully behaviors so how do you say don't be a bully when everything you're modeling says be the best bully because i'm showing you how to be a bully right um i guess um my next question would be and i want to sort of wrap up this segment before i go into picking petals because i have a couple of questions from different listeners actually um, so I'll say I'll say this and let this be the last section that you and I cover on our lives per se. Or, um, do you feel like inevitably with my father you may have sought out or or ended up picking up the traits that you got from your father 
or what at, was it like how did that end up happening because I noticed there's a lot of overlap in both of their parenting styles um reflecting on a lot of things there are a lot of traits that are alike in both of them that as I look back and think about and see and reminding and then even just right now with us just having this dialogue and interviewing what happened um, I would have to say yeah, I guess I did do that. Um, uh, I think on my, on my end, because I'm not a parent yet, I want to say I have a fear of perpetuating that cycle almost where it's, I end up finding a partner that resembles my father and or an amalgamation of your personality and my father and how that dynamic played out. And then the fear that my children in the future are going to run into the same issues that I'm having or that I will struggle to be there and present for my children in the way that they need to be because my father and I didn't have much communication and so on. Like, you get what I'm saying? Well, you know what I say to that baby? Um, give yourself permission to figure things out. You're intelligent enough and reflect enough on all of these things. Um, I, I see in you everything that you have learned from this. You have grown from this. And I trust that from every situation you have taken enough pebbles out of this that when that time comes you will have found the right partner and you'll know if that's that person that you want to create that family with there's nothing wrong with doing your interview because what I'll say that I did not do in sitting down with your father was completing the entire interview because had I taken the time to do the entire background interview and checking everything I would not have started a family with him I would have gone on to a different plan but I did not take that time to do everything necessary to find out everything that I needed to know. Um, at the time that everything was going on with him, uh, he seemed like a good guy and everything was going fine. And I won't take from him the fact that deep down inside, there's still a good guy somewhere in here. Things just happen somewhere along the way, and situation and circumstances just didn't 
pan out for us. I'm sure somewhere um, it, it may work out in itself where he can better himself because he's been working on that. It's just not going to be better for me because I'm not going back there to figure it out as much as he's asking and would like the opportunity for us to try it again. That's not what I'm looking for. And um, I would say for you, um, take your time. Do your homework. Interview. Ask questions. Get to know. But when Find you... out everything you need to know in the backstory before you move forward. Because as much information as you can get in a backstory will help you to plan going forward. And that's what I didn't do. I failed in getting the complete backstory. I started getting more in the backstory moving forward after you were here. That's when I started getting more of the backstory. But you were already here at that time. And so by the time I started getting more of the backstory, I had you. And then your brother was en route. So I felt like it was a, it's, it's too late. I'm here. I'm stuck. So whatever. Just keep going and see where this takes me. You don't think there's slightly more of a pressure on me specifically as a queer person with like, cause there's always that question of whether or not I'll end up having a biological child and like, depending on my partnership because of my pansexuality, I could end up with a heterosexual partner or I could end up with a homosexual partner and somewhere in between. Um, do you feel like that? What's the word I'm looking for? Or that, like, the weight of queerness almost makes the pressure of future parenthood a bit, like, more, ooh, what's the word? Like, there's more pressure on me to be such a good parent because it's specifically a decision or it's more work almost. Parenting doesn't come with the book. If there's no right or wrong way to parent. You are no better or worse as a parent, as a parent, whether you are heterosexual, homosexual, pansexual, queer, none of those things. You can be A to Z, and it doesn't make you better or worse as a parent. There are 1,299,000 books in parenting. And unfortunately, none of them are going to teach you anything other than what somebody else is saying. And most of those books are written by people who have degrees but no children. Experience is always going to be your teacher. When you become a parent, your child is going to be what teaches you how to be the parent because 
you're going to learn your child as your child learns you. And that is where you're going to get your parenting experience from. Okay. That actually makes a lot of sense. I guess that's an appropriate step for us to move to the next segment, our picking petals, which is a Q&A. So our first question is, it comes from the side of dysfunctional fatherhood. Um, do you feel as though you had to seek out other father figures or different things in men growing up because of your dysfunction with your father? You said what do I feel? Did you feel as though you had to find other father figures or seek out different things in men growing up because of your relationship with your father? Um, no, I did have father figures, but I didn't feel like I, I looked for anything specific in men because, um, I was the only girl in the house full of boys and I was validated all the time. Um, my brothers took well care of me. Uh, oh my goodness. Um, they were very protective and they made sure that, um, boys didn't get close to me for any reason whatsoever. Uh, I was not promiscuous. Uh, dating was not an issue. Uh, boys didn't hang out around me other than their friends, and their friends were not allowed to date me. So um, when I did start dating, uh, I was kind of considered like the old maid because uh, I started dating late and <coughs> thanks to my brothers. <clears throat> what was my excuse? <clears throat> Just came at my neck. Uh, I guess I have to answer the question too. For me, I want to say it was a little bit different. Both because, as I explained prior there was that whole segment of my life where I didn't even know this man was my father. And so that whole strain affected even to this day, that relationship, because it's still, I know he's my father now, but there's that disconnect because there's not just that unquestionable. It was one of those, it's something you learn later on. It's like, oh, this is my father. It wasn't a, yeah, this is my dad. And so... On top of that whole disconnect happening, there was also that level of unhealthy and almost absent relationship between he and I, aside from the financial providing. So I sought out different emotional and emotional or quality-wise, different things that I thought made up a great father according to TV and movies and whatever I had seen and or read because I read a lot of books growing up. Um, and I, I sought that out in so many different people within church, within school, even amongst my friend groups too. I find that a lot of the male friends that I had growing up were different people who were maybe more mature than I or 
offered a sense of physical strength because a few of my friends when I was not necessarily shy but more in my reserved or more patient and kind-hearted and naive phase were people who ended up having to advocate and fight my battles for me because I was so again kind and naive and not necessarily fending for myself um and it later on got to a point where as I got older and even started questioning my identity and then after I found out my identity because I had to do a lot of that searching on my own and couldn't even seek out my father's side of it and then while I could have come to you about anything I didn't necessarily come to you about it because realistically my first question was and this was in my biological state how is my mom going to help me be a man this was before I even found out about my gender non-conforming identity uh how is my mom gonna help me be a man and how am I gonna confront being a man with this gayness on me and dealing with my sexuality at that point and then we were also staying with my uncle at the time who wasn't necessarily toxic however he was in more of a bachelor mindset so he hadn't come to that parent the parental or fatherly energy that I necessarily needed Whew, this is a heavy conversation <laughs> um was there anything else you wanted to say before we went to the next question What is a common misconception you feel people have of black fathers? They're no good. They're all dogs. They make them, but they don't take care of them. They're never there. Um, they're not dependable. Um, yeah. Any, anything that you can think of in the negative aspect um, that does not apply to everyone because one does not identify all and you can't put that jacket on all men because all men are not alike. You can't take one specific man and have him be the the monolithic figure and Superman for, yeah for the entire race ethnicity culture he, he doesn't define all of them because you've been hurt by one he, he doesn't say that is every one of them. However, one man can actually hurt one woman and she never wants to deal with another man because now all men are dogs. Or every black man is a dog. That makes and, sense. And that doesn't hold true. Because 
there are some good quality black men and they're out there. Um, I used to hear people say uh, all the good men are either dead or waiting to be born. And for a while, I kind of bought into that. And then I said, well, no, that that can't be true. Because if that were true, there wouldn't be black women on the arms of black men and marriages that have been going on for so many number of years. Because, again, prime example is (coughs) my man Uncle Cusey. Because from the time they married until his death, because he passed before she did, they were married 48 years. He was an amazing man, and she always sang of his praises. Exactly. And more than that, we could tell, like, there was always a healthy relationship between the two, even when there was complication. And it was almost like... This man worshipped the ground that she walked on. And I'm not saying that is what made him a good man, but it was that healthy level of actual affection, I think, that... Exactly. Because that leads to more my answer of this question. Um, There's always this uh, misunderstanding that there's no love from a black man or that black men don't care, be it about their spouses or or their children. And... I want to attribute that partially to, because it's not entirely wrong. I just feel like it's not, it's not representational of all fathers because there's some fathers who are capable of showing love and affection and providing healthy relationships with their children. But even for those who don't, it's not to say that they don't care. It's maybe that they didn't learn how to love the right way because there's a whole, like, especially considering from a racial, and I'm going to get a bit educational right now, from a racial standpoint, growing up, men had to be strong and had to be given all these tools on how to navigate the world for survival. And so since we've all been sort of living in survival mode, they weren't worried about nurturing. They're worried about protecting and providing. And aside from protection and... Pr- and, and then, too, it's, it's also the stigma that men are supposed to cry. Right. The toxic masculinity. Because of, because of man has been always to even from their toddler life. A little girl cries, everybody picks her up, they coddle her, they hug her, they hold her, they make her feel oh my god, she's she's so fragile. Fragile, she you know, she's she's that crystal. You you want to make sure that she's okay. Protect your her gems. Falls, your, your boy falls and everybody picks him up, dust him off. You okay, you be alright. Rub a little dirt in it, you alright. Wipe your tears. Don't cry. You're supposed to be alright, let's go. Because, right, as I was saying earlier, is that toxic masculinity, and then again, tying that race portion into it, we as black people are seen as these strong figures because we've been almost animalized and put in this beastly form. Blacks, because I've seen that done in Latino culture too. Well, right. I mean, okay, I'll go minority culture then. Yes, where they, they. 
they tell the boys don't cry. They dust them off. You're, you're okay. Suck it up. Get, just get back out there. Go at it again. And, and it irritates me because who told you it didn't hurt? But there's this it, misconception it that we as people of color, and especially, again, black people, have this higher threshold for pain and strength and tolerance so we're able to withstand and we're more durable and can tolerate more. But are you weak because you cry? Because the thing is, uh, pain is pain. I don't care where it comes from. If you feel in pain, you feel in pain. If you get hit with a bat, does it not hurt you just like it would hurt me? If you experience the loss of a family member, is it still a loss just the same? And the thing is, are you not supposed to cry because of this loss? And are you not supposed to cry because you got hit with that bat? It's still pain. And why is it that we treat that pain like it's so much different for a man? than it is for a woman and how come she gets to cry but he doesn't the society says women can hug but men you better shake hands don't you hug that man it's a problem and you teach that but it's wrong and then you also say okay well girls it's okay for the little girl to get down on her knees and roll a car around but when your son plays with a doll it's a problem but what happened to the point of that little boy saw his dad holding his baby brother or his baby sister and all he's doing is mimicking what he saw at home and so he is actively practicing the behaviors of being a good dad not that he's practicing feminine behaviors he's mimicking what he saw at home and so why is it that he has to be doing something like a girl as opposed to mimicking his dad and he's going to be an awesome father one day because he's so nurturing to this dog but Society says if he holds this dog, he's going to be a pansy. And we leave it at that. But it's okay for your daughter to get on her hands and knees and play with a truck, but she's not going to be. And I'll leave it there. She's not going to be manly. And, and and, And it's back and forth. And, and they see different things going on like this and everybody has their mouth on what's going on with this but nobody sees the bigger picture in what's going on with that and, and until somebody actually says step outside this box and think about your home life does this say that this is what you see or does this say this is what this child sees and can we just say this is mimic behaviors 
and it's okay for this to take place because this is what is seen and it's okay and if a man cries I don't say it shows that he's sensitive and weak I say it shows his strength and his character because he's strong enough to show that he's hurting that makes a whole lot of sense our last question is a bit more lighthearted than all the prior conversations. Um, who do you feel were some prominent or positive male figures and role models in media or in the world when you were growing up? When I was coming up, the... the Remember, these the people don't know your age, mama. It, okay, then I'm not going to talk. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, actually, um, the the uh, you know, I I, I I I may have said people, but uh, the 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 men that I actually uh, watched in the media growing up, and I really didn't. I mean, I've, I've never been big on TV, but for the TV shows that I watched, um, I watched George Jefferson. Uh, I looked at James Evans, and these are the characters. Um, then moving forward was Bill Cosby, um, which was what Dr. Huxable. Yeah. Um, then there was uh, Philip Banks, um, and and these are just a, a few of those names that come to mind. Um, who else is out there? Um, trying to think because those are like the, the main shows that I, I really kind of watched the most because I really didn't get into a lot of shows um, but yeah those those are like the, the the main shows that I really watched like a lot of if I did watch um I kind of got away from TV because I really didn't do a lot of TV, but uh, those are like the, the main ones that really watch the most because uh, we did more like family shows if I did do a lot of anything. Okay. Um, for me, I think I'd I'm have. Sure, I'm sure there's more, but I can't think of them right now. That's That's valid. Um, the first things I can think of growing up. Um, I know there was in syndication we had Moesha, so there's definitely Moesha's dad that I got to look at, and it was very much like very interesting to see 
that single father yeah. and then I told you they come to me. Go ahead. There was Moesha's dad, um Michael Kyle from My Wife and Kids, uh that was Damon Wayans. Uh we all had lovely Dr. Huxtable, but I ha- I mean, I saw the Cosby show because, again, it was always on UPN or something, and then right. I also got a different world, and it was always interesting still seeing that dynamic while she was away at college. Um, yeah. Let's see. Who else was there? I feel like there was a lot of, like, because I was a Disney kid, there was the animal or cartoon father, so there's, like, first things that come to mind for me was... Mulan's dad and like I guess I should explain why that one specifically uh, came to mind was like I, well I guess Mulan's not a black dad though so I have to take that back uh Mufasa was black you can't convince me otherwise Mufasa was black <laughs> I mean on t- not just because he was voiced by James Earl Jones but like Mufasa was black the whole Lion King was black okay that there's a reason why even in the remake they casted black people it's because that's a black movie you can't convince me otherwise. And if you try to, you're wrong, you're blocked. Go away. <laughs> uh, let's see. I don't know why it's so hard. I feel like after a lot of the 90s shows, and I didn't get back into a lot of 90s shows and whatnot until I got older, um, we didn't really get to see many black dads. I mean, I had my whole spat where and don't, I mean, I guess I'm grown now, so you can't kill me for it, because I got away with it. My watching Vampire Diaries, I got to see Bonnie's dad, where he wasn't the best in the world, especially considering we didn't really know, we heard about him, but we didn't know about him till like, four or five seasons in. But, as much as he wasn't the perfect father, everything he did, and we knew what he was doing was for the best interest of putting Bonnie first because every time, and this was a Supernatural series, so I feel like that plays into it. Every time something was going on, Bonnie was always in the center of it as the witch and she was the one putting all of her life and all of her wants and needs aside for the sacrifice of others. And he was just the only one that was in her corner looking out for her. Again, I feel like there was also that it played an interesting part seeing that he pretty much raised her as an only child. And so the only maternal figure she had growing up was her grams. So I think that played a whole, like all these different, I don't know why it's so, where did all the black men go from my generation would be my question. (laughs) Or not black men, but where'd all the black men in media go for like parenthood and fathering for my generation go? They disappeared. No, I don't think they disappeared. I, I just kind of think in the media world, um, it, it, it just holds true to what Hollywood has actively been doing all the time. It, it just showing itself. Oh, I just thought of two more. One's a cartoon, and the other one is actually no, never mind. Scratch the other one. Um, but Barnyard, Ot- Otis's dad was black. Right. 
Um, it gave it gave me very like even going back and trying to analyze it now. I feel like Otis was a mixed child, and his dad was very much that black male figure that was there cultivating and inspiring, and he was stern but active, and inspired him to become a man. Plus, also, Barnyard is... I feel like I just wanted to plug that movie, too, because that movie's amazing. This is why we... I'm going to make Tank watch it when we go back, because that was his movie growing up. Yes, it was. Especially when it got to that part with the weird furry thing. Oh, yeah, I got the sweet name. <laughs> See? Okay, there's another good... Uh, circling back, there was another good moment, and not necessarily for me, but I guess... Witnessing it sort of worked for me too, but um, there was a that was a really positive moment between my father and my brother. I think I might have a little bit of envy, honestly, for and I can acknowledge that because um, it was the baby boy and the baby girl having my brother and sister, and I was the eldest of that second batch of kids. That well, I say second batch. You, all of us came from you, but he had two separate splits of kids. Right. I'm clarifying that for them, not that you didn't know that. But um, I felt like there was maybe a bit of envy, possibly because well, not possibly because I know for sure there was that whole like I got to know him very briefly before Tank came. It was like almost I want to say it was maybe two or three years of me actively getting to know this man, and then. My brother was here, and as I got to know this man, I had to sort of watch him be a hands-on father and actively work with Tank, and he had to show up with Tank because as much he couldn't just be around at that point because Tank had those medical issues, so he had to right. be cared for. And then on top of that, just after having him, having him forcibly put into care provider and also this is baby boy mode um that relationship just a lot there was a lot more positive aspects that came forth from it and i'm not going to say that that makes a perfect relationship between them because i can't speak to the relationship but i don't even think there's much positivity there now but no it's a struggle but i think just having seen all that he would like I guess trying to get him to be the father figure that I saw him being to my brother was sort of an issue too because as we were talking about the sweet legs the first thing I could remember was them watching the movie together and it's just him and Tank and he's bouncing Tank and Tank's having the time of his life just jumping around and bouncing and living his best living his best life as Kai would say and I'm sitting there and I'm laughing along with it both because it's cute but like also because I'm realizing like that's that's what I want from him that's kind of cool and recognizing I'm like I don't have that right and it wasn't like it wasn't really in that envy sort of turned into me neglecting tank but that's a, a different topic for another day uh We'll move right to the next segment because we took a bit of a distraction there. Uh, Turning a new leaf. Do you have any advice or recommendations for 
uh, or no, not advice recommendations, but like, um, do you feel like there's anything to like share for black fathers now or people who may become black fathers in the future? It's work. And again, as I stated earlier, um, there's no manuals. It is an experience. You learn as you go. Um, you are learning your child. Your child is learning you. Do your homework first before you begin to procreate because your children don't pick you. You choose your partner and then you make your children. So it is actively wise when you're going into parenting to establish this relationship and get to know your mate before you start into the world of parenting. Because once you get into that, trust and believe that you are stuck for the rest of the children's lives with each other. Because regardless of whatever's going on, you two have to come to some form of an agreement on what is going on with these children. Unless somebody signs off on parental rights, you two are always going to have to work together in some kind of way. So I would say to fathers, you are important. It takes you to help with modeling and developing, educating, and getting these children where they need to go. You are very much important. Um, I do speak from uh, um, a forum of knowing that that is very much important. He is a teacher in a way that mom is not. His nurturing role is a lot different from that of mom. And for everything that he brings to the table, it is very much important to what that child is going to grow and develop and become in their adult life. So when dad is absent from the home, his presence in that child's life, even if he's not in the home every day, his presence in the child's life is still imperative. So dad has to be a part of that child's life with regularity because he plays such an imperative role. So for every dad out there listening to this, know that you have an important role to play in your child's life from the moment that they enter this world prenatally until they become an adult. I think I actually really love that. Um, I think 
my advice to black fathers would be ah uh, one be honest because we're not stupid and I don't, I don't say that trying to attack you I want to say that just being completely transparent you like you're as much as you may think you're trying to hide things from us we eventually are going to notice and those discrepancies and all the secrecy build a level of distrust and you are the first man that we trust and if we can't trust you then we later on either seek men that we can trust which puts us in this weird space where we're spiraling because we're almost at crazy like this crazy psychopath level looking for any minor discrepancy in every single man or we just don't trust anybody and that makes us cold and distant and doesn't allow us to explore our emotions and affection and a range of feelings the best way we probably could and aside from the honesty I think it's just mm, how do I want to say this remember that we will we will continue to love you regardless like we will never stop loving you however alternately remember that love and hate are two sides of the same coin and if you push us to one side we will teeter over so we tend we tend like the it's a it's a trick coin almost there's more weight on the side of love but there is that chance that we could teeter to hate so try and just always cultivate and try and remember that that love hangs in the balance and it comes with not necessarily you being again you can't be perfect no one is no one's a perfect person you can't be a perfect parent life doesn't come with a manual and neither does parenthood but doing your best should also at least come with a level of communication because we're still we have to live with you in this as well like my mom was saying we're getting to know you and you're getting to know us it's a two-way street i did this a bit out of order so this last segment is going to be plugging new roots you and i are going to go back and forth and select five songs or if you have any honorable mentions after the five you can plug some in pertaining to like black fatherhood or things that you wish you had like songs that make you think of your father or all those different things do you want to go first or should i uh the first song that's always gonna make me think of my father uh I'll take you there. Uh, that's my, that's always gonna bring that, me back to my dad. That's Papa's song. Uh, in the same light, my father is a huge Patti LaBelle fan. So I guess if I had to pick one song, I'm gonna pick 
the very first Patti, like I knew several Patti LaBelle songs growing up, but I think, and it came from a moment because I didn't even know he had a cassette player. The first Patti LaBelle song I really fell in love with was Feels Like Another One. It's so random, I know, but it was, again, it was a small moment that was positive between he and I, and I have to hold on to those little glimmers to remember his humanity almost. Also, first fire. Oh, I know, I know. I remember the remember San Juan Capistrano. Yes. He had so many CDs. God, Bootsy Collins, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Parliament. Uh, who else was on them CDs? Uh, Al Green, Ron Isley. Uh, I want to say he had Donnell Jones too. Was it Donnell? No, I don't think it was Donnell Jones. I know he had Donnie Hathaway. But uh, that's a digression. Uh, for, what's another song for you? Uh, wow. I don't know who the artist is, but... Uh, think of the name of the song but um, my mom used to play it uh, because I used to play the song all the time when um, my dad would go to work and she said it was it was my favorite song because I would walk around with um, a little portable radio I would play the song all the time because some of the lyrics in the song was, uh, I've been lonely for so long, don't seem like happiness will come along. And I have no idea who sings that song. I guess I'll have to look it up. I'll probably find it. So so I can find that song. But I've, I've heard the song several times, but I can't tell you right now who sings that song. Um, I wouldn't sweat too much. I am going to put together a playlist to go with today's episode. I'd like to also take a minute to address everyone who looks for these playlists. The playlist can be found in the description box below this, as well as all the social media to find the guests if they have it or if they decide to share that. Um, you can Anything pertaining to the show that was not directly mentioned here will always be found in the description box below. Uh, song number two from me. Uh, it's gonna be I Hope You Dance. I don't know exactly who sings the song, but I know the song in my mind if I think of it. And so I'm gonna plug that one in. It's more so about all the different things that, and it's, it's almost inappropriate because I feel like it's misplaced because this is someone talking about a lover, but it's more so just about wanting all these good things to happen for someone else. Um, do you have a third song or do you need a moment? Um, no, my third song is um, the Jackson 5, Enjoy Yourself. Okay. 
that was that was our dance song. <laughs> uh, my third song. Oh, I feel like I feel like he was a black dad too, but no one wants to talk about it, especially considering uh, everything. Like, I'm not gonna even try and explain it. I'm just gonna stand on the fact that I think Goofy was a black dad, a quirky black dad at that, which made me love it even more. And you know exactly what song I'm about to bring up. Um. What actually, uh, I've, I've decided to change my mind. It's, uh, I'm going to do, well, not change my mind. I'm going to still do a song from that soundtrack because, uh, God knows I hurt. I know front and back the Goofy Movie soundtrack, but, um, I was initially going to do Eye to Eye, but instead... I'm thinking we could do On the Open Road because that was like, it was really, it was cringy for Max, but there was at least that weird fatherly bonding and it was that, it was hilarious watching that whole dynamic in the film where he kept like extending this olive branch and like as much as he didn't like it. Max knew that like his dad was there and it got on his nerves, but it was still that present relationship. Right. That's the song I'm gonna go with through that one. But I might still plug Eye to Eye because Teva Campbell ate up this entire soundtrack. He ate up that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Number four. Give me some lyrics, uh, maybe I can help. Uh, well, while you think, I'll give my song number four. Um, my song number four is gonna be. Um, I can't think of the name of the song. I feel like you would know best, but it's Stevie Wonder. I wish those days would come back once more. I, I wish. That's the song. Oh, yeah. I wish. Okay. 
Has your song come to you yet? Ma'am, you're really over there struggling, Let's aren't you? Let's do it again. That was the song. Let's do it again. Smokey Robinson? No, 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 no. Uh, the Staples. Oh, I don't know why I thought Smokey Robinson, but I know what song you're talking about because I'm playing it in my head. Yeah. The, the Staples. Seeing your sweet face. No, 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 Let's do it again. Do it. Do it again. Yeah. Oh, I know why I was thinking Smokey Robinson because uh, Cruising has the same uh, tone and key. The bass, the, the bass, almost the same bass line. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think my song number five, because I'm going to take the lead on this one, um, Pure Imagination, mostly because it's where I spent a lot of my space with my father where either I needed to escape him or I spent so much time in my own head trying to idealize him so that I had this better version of him or romanticized idea of him. So I spent so much time in my head building this concept of my father to replace who he really was or taking traits of who he was in a positive light and putting it in this fluffy brain dad. For you? Wow. Um. What? It's true. You know, half the time when I was talking to him, I would space off because it got to a point where you even had to tell him, you know he's not listening, right? Right. Um, I'm start telling people how they five songs ready when they show up. Oh, ready, sir. Ooh. Otis Redding. Otis Redding. Which song? Otis Redding. You better not do it, donkey. What? Nothing. Nothing. No, that, no it, it wasn't trying to attend the next. I was about to. I promise you, I was about to hang up this phone. that for Papa. It's kind of his... I feel like those would be the kind of song he'd listen to while he was doing his odd jobs. Yeah, just just, just him just being that, just... Because he kind of has his, you know, he's he's kind of nonchalant and 
Hakuna Matata, yeah. Lots of days ago, kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I could definitely say that. Um, that was the vibes I got from him growing up. It wasn't real. Like, all of my relationship with him wasn't really... I guess I come, but that's more normal in a grandparent. It was always very chill, very laid back. It was like, okay, that's what you're doing in school. That's what you're doing in school. All right. Right. And it, like, anytime, even when I was in trouble too, like, he would get on my head if I did something, but it was always more of a, uh, we're not going to talk about that right now, though. That's a you and your mom issue. Right now, we talking. But this was this was nice. We had a long we've been talking for almost two hours. Yes, and jealous but it's going crazy. Which one? The dog or the boy? Kevin. Oh. He'll be alright. No, he's having a connection that I have got from let me see here. He started uh, we started like uh, once. We started like once. Well. No, 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 no. Oh, you started. mean the entire time since we've started? Right. Because I've been I, talking to you on and off since like 11. No, no, no. He started sending me messages at. I is gonna warn you to watch what you say though cause I do not edit these so what you say is what you say and this will be going yeah. I just wanna make sure I just wanna make sure okay. no 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 he's been sending messages since 1226 he's sent me about 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 well it's 3 now so he probably real mad Blame it on me. Ten songs that I need to listen to, and he says he's in his mood. Uh, Weenie head. Now he sees how I felt the other night when I was trying to talk to you. But now I have to listen to all of these songs so I can see what kind of mood he's in. Ha ha, you got homework. Because his jealous side is kicked in. Well, let me wrap this up. Thank you to everyone for coming out as always. As I was saying before, you can find everything to do with today's episode in the description box below. Um, Mama Rose, do you want to plug anything right now? Any links, any movements, projects, social media, anything? That's fine, okay. Um, also, I feel like I should clarify when I say description box, this is only available to the YouTube viewers and the people who are watching this or listening to this, or not watching this, excuse me, listening to this on my website or specific through Anchor. That's gonna be anchor.fm slash La Rosa Negra with a Z. You can find all of the description links under click here's on every single podcast. And 
Also, feel free to send me a message and let me know if you'd be interested in seeing the video versions of these because I'm thinking about starting a Patreon and it would be a low monthly fee, maybe about $5, like a pizza or not even a pizza, just a simple, like, yeah, that's, you could do without a sandwich on one day or not even one sandwich. $5 for one month for all the crazy content that I would be giving in these different podcast videos because there's so much that happens behind the scenes here. You're only hearing it. You're missing all the different goofiness that happens with the guest's face and so much more. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in, shoot me a message, leave it in the comments below, and I'll catch you in the next one. Thank you, Petals, for stopping in. Bye, y'all.